This is the Truth Hurts Program with Steve Z. Well, hi, hello, and howdy, boys and girls, ladies and gentlemen, men and women, because that's all there are listening to this program, males and females. This is the not-yet-award-winning Truth Hurts program, and I am your not-yet-award-winning host, Steve Z. This is the Truth Hurts program, where we tell it like it is, exposing the lies of the left, the disastrous Democratic Party leadership of our nation, the double standard in our leftist, progressive, liberal, woke, mainstream media, and of course the hype and hypocrisy of everyday life in these United States of America. Right now, I'd like to say it's the untied United States of America, the untied States of America. It uses the same letters, just in a different order. It is Tuesday. It is the 25th day of July, 2023. A very happy 27th birthday to my lovely daughter. Hope you're having a wonderful day. We'll probably see you for supper. Anyway, let's ask today what all the buzz is about. This year, more than any year in my recent memory, the wasps, those nasty yellow jackets, the hornets, the red wasps, those stinging, flying, murdering, death-trap animals seem to be much more prevalent than ever before. And it's not just me who feels this way. I've asked dozens of people from different parts of America, and they all tend to agree. This year, much more so than last year, the year before, or even the decade before, or even 50 years ago, are seeing more wasps, more hornets, more yellow jackets. But surprisingly, and much more disappointing is, not more honeybees. If the honeybee goes away, my friends, life as we know it will be dramatically changed for the worse. Warm weather means more time at the beach, more time in the backyard, more time at the fishing camp or the hunting grounds, more time at the RV park, more times at the city parks, grilling hamburgers with hot dogs with your family, lots of fresh squeezed lemonade. But with the better, warmer weather also comes wasps and hornets. Sometimes our little bug friends are more aggressive than we'd like them to be, and they don't always build their nests in the best places. This week, I found seven wasp nests in places I never would have thought, in my barbecue grill, under the cover that I place over the outboard motor on my boat, hanging from the roof of the golf cart, and of course, under the riding lawnmower. And finally, in the mailbox, the mailbox of all places. This year, you might head out to your mailbox to pick up your mail, and you might find something strange inside. Please do not think this is a kidnapping attempt or a scam or fentanyl on a rag. What you might find is a dryer sheet, you know, a bounce or something. And the person who left it in your mailbox is most likely your letter carrier. Now this might sound crazy, but the reason that your mail carrier may have left a dryer sheet in your mailbox is quite simple. He or she put it there to deter wasps and yellow jackets. If you've ever had the displeasure of experiencing a sting from one of these little flying demons, you know it can really ruin your day, especially if you're allergic. Apparently, according to the Association of Letter Carriers, 
A scented dryer sheet can be used as a preventive measure, a deterrent to help keep those flying, stinging insects away. According to a Reddit user, it's well known in the postal delivery world that dryer sheets keep nasty pests from opening up shop in cozy places like mailboxes. And being stung by a wasp hiding in a mailbox is, for a letter carrier, a debilitating on-the-job injury. A dryer sheet in your mailbox is used mostly to prevent wasps and hornets and yellow jackets from building a nest there. If you see a nest forming, do your postal worker a favor. Get some wasp and hornet spray and get rid of the wasps immediately. And then drop a dryer sheet in there. Wasps and hornets and yellow jackets dislike very aromatic things like eucalyptus, citronella, cloves, tarragon, and thyme. But because dryer sheets are meant to thoroughly freshen up your clothing, it makes sense that their scent might be incredibly strong, and it's probably why wasps and their friends with stingers dislike them so much. Remember, if you do have a dryer sheet in your mailbox, whether it's placed there by the carrier or by yourself, try and switch it out about once every few weeks so the scent stays fresh and strong. Your letter carrier will likely thank you. I've been spending a lot of time bashing the useless, inept vice resident of the United States, Camel Toe Harris. But political commentator Scott Jennings on CNN actually had the nerve to call out Kamala Harris on the air Sunday, July the 23rd, after she, the vapid airhead vice resident, spoke out about the new Florida middle school curriculum where she claims that children will learn how slaves benefited from slavery. Before I get into this article, I'm going to say it again. I've said it before. Any person who came here as an uncivilized human animal with no social skills and no technical abilities and only ran around in the jungles of the continent of Africa preying upon other people of their same race or becoming the victims of the predatory practices of a superior tribe of similar people from the same race in Africa who came here learned skills, became more civilized, not totally civilized, as is obvious by the prison system, population density, and other factors. Anyone who came to this nation from Africa as a slave, sold to this nation by black slave sellers, has certainly gotten some benefit, at least their ancestors have, from said slavery, period. Think about it. If it had not been for the winning tribe enslaving the males of the losing tribe, shipping them over to be sold at black-owned slave trading markets, those descendants of the original black slaves in America would likely still not benefit whatsoever from education, from science, from mathematics, from medical breakthroughs, they'd all still be running around the jungle, naked or half-naked, trying to kill each other off, as was, and still is in many parts of Africa, the way of things. Scott Jennings, a political commentator for CNN, spoke to Dana Bash, the host of a show on CNN, 
on July the 23rd. And Scott Jennings said, what is amazing to me is that how little Kamala Harris apparently has to do that she can read something on Twitter one day and be on an airplane the next to make something literally out of nothing. This is a completely made up deal. I looked at the standards. I even looked at an analysis of the standards. In every instance where the word slavery or slave was used, I even read the statements of the African-American scholars that wrote the standards, not Florida Governor Ron DeSantis, but the scholars. Everybody involved in this says it is completely a fabricated issue, and yet look at how quickly Kamala Harris jumped on it. So the fact that this is her best moment, a fabricated matter, is pretty ridiculous. A few days before that, the 58-year-old vice resident of the United States got heated discussing the new history lessons in the Florida public school system curriculum. She said, quote, They want to replace history with lies. These extremist so-called leaders should model what we know to be the correct and right approach if we are really invested in the well-being of our children. Instead, they dare to push propaganda to our children. This is the United States of America. We're not supposed to do that. But some vapid airheads in the media tried to defend Camel Toe Harris's stupidity, as we would expect. But the truth is the truth, Camel Toe, no matter how much it might hurt. It didn't take long for the old hags club, like those on The View, to jump on the bandwagon and support Camel Toe Harris in her lies. The facts about slavery are this, and they are not in dispute. Black tribes had fights with other black tribes on the continent of Africa. The winning black tribes enslaved the men and young boys and a few of the young girls on the losing tribes, chained them up, marched them across desert and jungle, and sold them at the black-owned slave markets on the coast of Africa. They were then ferried across by boat to black-owned slave trade markets near the New World, which is now Canada, the United States, Mexico, Bermuda, Bahamas, Puerto Rico, Cuba, you know, this part of the world. They were sold to black landowners in what is now the United States of America. And some white landowners also bought those human slaves because human slavery was considered legal and lawful in this land a hundred or so years before the United States of America became the United States of America. It was just as legal, lawful, and acceptable to buy a black man and a black woman as slaves as it was to buy a cow and a horse and a donkey and a plow and any other instrument used on the farm or in the house. It was legal, it was lawful, and it was occurring where black people were buying and using black slaves in this land just as whites were. And black people were not the only slaves in this nation. Irish, Italian, Chinese, indentured servants from around the world, people who owed a debt that they could not pay, became slaves. It wasn't just black people. That's a reality and a fact that Camel Toe Harris refuses to admit. 
Oh, and if we dare publish the facts about slavery in the school textbooks, as I just read them to you, the nation will likely burn. Because it's easy to hide some truths from the ignorant, because the ignorant don't want to hear the truth of their ancestry, of their coming to be in this nation, or at least the coming to be of their ancestors. For as I say over and over, no man or woman in this nation has ever been a slave, neither has their parents or their grandparents, likely not their great-grandparents or even their great-great-grandparents, given the proclivity for reproduction at such an early age in certain ethnic minority groups in our country. Sure, you might see a 103-year-old woman on television, a woman of color, but slavery ended 160 years ago. Put that in your pot and cook it. This is the Truth Hurts program. A few minutes ago, I spoke about the old hags club, better known as The View. Now The View are going after Jason Aldean. Matt McBride writes in the publication Rare, The View launches attacks on Jason Aldean for the song Try That in a Small Town. It seems that The View doesn't like him or his song. Before the song came out, they thought he was a hunk, a heartthrob. They loved them some Jason Aldean. But since his song Try That in a Small Town was released last May, it's a simple truth that you don't mess around with people who don't tolerate your immature crap. The View, who always seems to come to the aid and comfort of a certain ethnic minority who happens to commit the vast majority of crimes, now Aldean is an enemy of The View. The cackling old hen Joy Behar, co-host on The View, repeated the mantra of her authoritarian masters by stating that everybody belongs in the same box. Behar said to the approval of her co-hosts, quote, there's no reason to separate big city people from small town people. That to me is the divisive part of the song. Yes, Behar believes that if city folks are okay with the government passively encouraging rioters to burn homes and businesses to the ground, then by golly, those small town folks should be good with that too. In fact, the small townies are downright destroying the unifying fabric of our nation by not letting their homes get torched by thugs. Behar couldn't stop being the parrot to her government pirate. She said, quote, it's a deplorable song and it's annoying, unquote. She said this before repeating some of the lyrics from Try That in a Small Town. She tried to equate the ownership of legal guns with being somehow racist. She quoted, Got a gun that my granddad gave me. They say one day they're gonna round up. Well, that shit might fly in the city. Good luck. Well, that's divisive and provocative, she said. The writer of this article, obviously not as famous or popular or even knowledgeable about music in general, did try to get in a jab of his own by saying, quote, Try That in a Small Town didn't get much attention when it was released in May because, let's be honest, as a song, it sucks. Great country songs have something catchy about it, and it's usually the lyrics or the beat. But Aldine's lyrics and melody and tempo are largely derivative. You could get an AI bot to create a song like Small Town in a minute. That's what this clown said. My answer to him is, so why the hell don't you do it? Why don't you get an AI bot to write a song and then put it out there on the internet for someone to pick up? 
Perhaps you are just a hack writer for a barely read website called Rare. Al Dean's song shouldn't be famous for a song, but it needs to be famous as an anthem. Critics of the song itself say it's not that great of a song, but then again, my friends, Ricky Don't Lose That Number isn't a great song either. But after you hear it played on the radio over and over again for your entire youth, the song sticks in your head like an earworm, like an anthem, forever. And for you, the shrews on The View, go screw. I, of course, wrote my own song, and I played it on a previous edition of the Truth Hurts program today, July 25th, 2023. I encourage you to listen to it. The theme is pretty much the same. Don't come here with your thugs, your drugs, and your guns. Don't come here and commit crimes, because we're not putting up with it. Let me change gears here for just a minute. Once upon a time, the Chevrolet Corvair was put on the market as an inexpensive rival to the Volkswagen Beetle. It was an American car, after all. And America was still reeling with people coming home from World War II and other overseas conflicts. And at that time, they thought import cars meant the end of the American dream. How dare they bring cars here, already manufactured by boat, by train, and have those cars compete with the American car manufacturers. The Chevrolet Corvair was an air-cooled, rear-mounted engine in a tiny metal body on a tiny metal chassis with small wheels. It was designed, engineered, manufactured, and intended to be a sportier alternative to the VW bubble car, with a price point intended for VW enthusiasts, people who wanted cheap and good. The Corvair was actually a good-looking, sporty vehicle for its time, and it was selling quite well until one day one of them caught on fire and somebody died. You see, Corvairs, just like the air-cooled rear-engine VWs and Porsche models of their time, were highly susceptible to engine fires. Activists protested, GM tried damage control in the local media and the national media, making excuses like, the owner didn't maintain it properly. But once the image die was cast, the public automatically associated the Corvair with the terms fiery rolling death mobile and blazing death trap. You might also recall the Ford Motor Company had a car, the very popular selling compact known as the Ford Pinto. And a couple of people died in rear engine crashes because the car would pretty much explode. Ford engineers could have simply installed a small $11 safety plate near the gas tank, which would have prevented the explosions and the deadly fires. But instead, Ford attempted damage control in the media. And instead of investing 11 simple dollars to properly repair these cars, the multi-million dollar lawsuits that came out after the deaths spelled the end of the once best-selling compact car in America. My question's this. Do large corporations ever learn from their stupid mistakes? Hell, look at Bud Light. If you see them, the answer is a glaring, obvious, eh -eh. no, nada. We don't learn from our mistakes. We double down on the mistakes we make, and then we have to answer for it. In an article from the Daily Caller News Foundation, Andrew Powell writes the headline that reads, Bud Light tried to celebrate the NFL's new season. They were met with angry Americans. 
The article begins, Just leave, Bud Light. Just leave. Ever since Bud Light decided to partner with transgender influencer Dylan Mulvaney, a little boy pretending to be a little girl, it's been a speedy downward spiral for the beer giant. The Anheuser-Busch brand has been hit hard with boycotts and backlash, leading to plummeting weekly sales and tanking stock prices for Anheuser-Busch, the parent company. On top of that, they also lost their spot as the number one beer in the United States of America to a Mexican beer called Modelo Especial, who is now number one. Bud Light is now the fourth best-selling beer in restaurants in America. Number four. They were number one forever. Number four. That's not all. Bud Light is now getting blasted embarrassingly on social media once again. The most recent case is the traitorous beer attempting to celebrate the manly upcoming NFL football season. In a tweet, or is it called an X now? In a tweet, Budweiser, Bud Light, Anheuser-Busch posted only eight Sundays till NFL, but who's counting? The responses were varied on Twitter, but for some stupid reason, they were quite funny and quite on point. One Twitter user answered the who's counting question with the answer, you, Bud Light, counting your losses by the billions. Another Twitter writer said, counting down to football, yes, counting down to drinking Bud Light, hell no. Yet another tweeted, is it possible to completely bankrupt you guys? I really hope so. Some posted videos of Miller Light cans with a football game in the background. Another added pictures of the logos of the other brands affiliated with the transgender bender pretender supporting Bud Light, Budweiser, Bex, Stella Artois, Michelob, Michelob Light, Michelob Ultra, Bass, Bass Ale, Rolling Rock, Landshark, O'Doul's, Kieran, Natural Light, Bush, and a few others. All a stark reminder that drinking any of those as an alternative to Bud Light means you're still supporting Bud Light and their ill-fated partnership with the gender-bender pretender Dylan Mulvaney. Another Twitter response read, Anheuser-Busch has only lost over $30 billion worth of value, but who's counting? A satirical response, at least I hope it was satire, from the Twitter account Left is Right, he slash him, read, quote, I'm not going to watch the NFL any longer until they require trans players to be on the teams as well. Normally, Americans would be all about celebrating a new season of football, but Bud Light is so toxic that it has completely tainted the upcoming season. Yes, even that, the celebration of a new NFL campaign, Americans are letting Bud Light know all about it. Are you ready to wave the white flag yet, Bud Light? It is over. Just let it go. You're listening to the Truth Hurts program. In the publication Buzz Loving, there's an article which reads, Female boxing champion Ebony Bridges will not fight a transgender woman, saying, quote, It's like all of a sudden Mike Tyson wants to be a girl and he go and fights you, unquote. The current biologically female, meaning a real woman boxer named Ebony Bridges, is also known as the Blonde Bomber. She says she will not fight a transgender boxer because men have a physical advantage even after transitioning, adding that it would be wrong and dangerous 
for her to fight against this man pretending to be a woman. Bridges rightfully believes that males are born with certain biological advantages when it comes to athletics. The current IBF bantamweight champion believes transgender women, who are really men, should never compete against real biological females because it is particularly dangerous in the sport of boxing especially. The Australian champion told Bitcoin Casinos, quote, I think it's wrong, especially in boxing and really in all sports. I just think a lot of women in sports that are breaking records weren't originally women, and in boxing, when you're trying to hurt the other person, that's the goal, it's just plain wrong. Bridges, who's also a model, explained, you were born a man. I don't care what you say, how many hormones you're taking, you were still born a man. She continued, it's like saying all of a sudden Mike Tyson wants to be a girl now, and he goes and fights you. No way. I even spar with boys or guys smaller than me, and they're hella strong. So I think no, when asked if she would fight a trans boxer. Bridges is 9-1 and one as a professional boxer. She discussed how we can only see men transitioning into female athletes, not the other way around. She calls it unfair. Either way, it appears, women lose. She added, think about a female wanting to be the best in her sport, and then she has to compete against men who have transitioned, obviously, into pretend women. And it takes the whole feminine side. There's no girls that go, I'm transitioning because I feel like I'm a male, and then try to go into men's sports. They would certainly lose. They don't do that. It's only the other way around men transitioning into women. And if it was the other way around, for example, in combat sports, unless she's taking a hell of a lot of testosterone and steroids, which are banned, you're going to get blasted by real men. She says the solution is to create their own space, their own competitions, fight in their own divisions. I think that's fair, as it's dangerous and also just takes away from women's sport ladies that have trained hard to be the best and could potentially fight a former man. The WBC president, Mauricio Suleiman, announced plans to create a boxing transgender division that would adopt an at-birth rule, meaning transgender men would only be able to fight men, women would only be able to fight women. And that's the way it should be. But Patricio Manuel became the United States' first professional trans male boxer in 2018 and made history. He competed, of course, as a female in the U.S. preparations for the 2012 Olympics before transitioning and becoming a professional female athlete, even though he is a dude. It's unfair. It's dangerous. And I want to see the trans—actually, I don't want to see this because it would be disgusting— but how weird would it be to watch two transgender dudes pretending to be women beating the living crap out of each other in the boxing ring? I don't think I'd pay money for it, but it sure would be one hell of a spectacle. My friends, I've run out of time for this edition of the Truth Hurts program. Go out there and make it a great day. We'll see you next time. Bye-bye for now. 
Welcome to the Sleight of Hand Magic School. I'm magician extraordinaire Marquis de Magnificent. I see we have lots of young people here today to learn the wonderful art of sleight of hand magic, illusion, distraction, and diversion. Oh, oh, I see we have an older gentleman in here as well. And your name, sir? Uh, uh, Joe, Joe Biden. Well, Mr. Biden, what brings you here today? Do you want to learn how to entertain young children at birthday parties? Well, well, I do enjoy young children, but no, I'm, I'm here to learn how to divert people's attention away from my crappy performance as the, uh, as the president of the president of the United States. I want, I want to learn how to make people pay attention to something else so I can get away with all the stuff I've been doing behind the scenes. Like what? Like like how I'm slowly turning the people's attention away from my rotten economy, my foreign policy disasters, my poor handling of COVID, my dividing of people by race and ethnicity, my foreign business dealings, my coke addict son, my southern border disaster, and my disastrous handling of pr pretty much the entire nation. Well, Mr. Biden, even I, the great Marquis de Magnificent, magician extraordinaire, couldn't pull off a magic act like the one you're doing right now. Heck, even I didn't realize just how bad things were going here in the United States until you pointed it out just now. You are indeed a great and powerful magician. No, no, I, I don't play music. I, I don't want to be a musician. I, I want, I want to learn the art of, of, of you, you know, you know, the, the, the thing, the, the thing, the, the magic, the sleight of hand, you know, the thing. Thank you for listening to the Truth Hurts program with Steve Z. Opinions expressed are protected free speech under the First Amendment to the U.S. Constitution. I apologize if you were offended, but I retract nothing because I speak the truth. Background music courtesy of Jason Shaw and Audionautics. This program is pre-recorded. Copyright 2023, the Truth Hurts program network, all rights reserved.